Our reading this morning comes from the uh, book of Jonah and uh, chapter 1 and reading from verse 1. Jonah chapter 1 and reading from verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for the port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us, and we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, Who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. This terrified them and they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, what should we do? to you to make the sea calm down for us. Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that this is my fault and that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, O Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, For you, O Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. In the summer, uh, we've been uh, receiving postcards. Um, this is a postcard from me on my uh, recent holiday. And uh, we found out that people do still send postcards, and we've been looking at some uh, postcards that we received uh, from Bible characters and their stories. The first postcard we received was from Jacob, who was camping by the river Jebok and uh, was going to visit his brother Esau, but ended up in a wrestling match with God. Then we had a a postcard from uh, Elijah. He was taking a much-needed and uh, somewhat unexpected break in Horeb, trying to get away from it all. And uh, this week we have uh, another postcard from uh, Journeys of Faith. And this week we've got a postcard from the minor prophet Jonah. I was planning a nice trip to Spain, but God had other ideas, and I ended up in Nineveh. 
had a whale of a time. Well, what do we know about Jonah? What do we know about Jonah? What do we know about Jonah? Well, as somebody rightly pointed out, he is a, he's a minor prophet. That uh, doesn't necessarily mean he was very small, but he's in that group of uh, minor prophets at the uh, end of the Old Testament. Uh, we don't know who wrote the book. The author is unknown. Uh, we think it was dated somewhere around the uh, 8th century BC. Uh, John has mentioned in, in another book in the Bible, 2 Kings 14.25, and of course Jesus makes that famous reference to him in Matthew's Gospel. And uh, the style of writing is, is unusual in the book of Jonah because uh, it's, uh, it's a narrative, it's a story, uh, rather than a, a prophetic uh, proclamation. And so that's the little bit that we know uh, about Jonah. And the first thing I want to talk about is, uh, is Jonah and the wind. Jonah and the wind. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come before me. It's interesting, isn't it, how uh, our lives can be changed by receiving a message. Jonah's life was completely changed when God spoke to him and gave him this message. Uh, sometimes lives are changed, don't we? We receive a phone call and somebody brings us some news and our lives are completely changed. Or receive, we receive news, we receive a letter and uh, it can completely turn around our lives. And uh, Jonah receives this commission uh, from the Lord, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come before me. I don't know about you, but I, I like what I like about the prophet of jo the, uh, the the character of Jonah is uh, I don't know about you, but I can identify with Jonah because uh, he doesn't always do the right thing. Uh, the great thing about some of the heroes in in the Bible is they aren't beyond our comprehension. They they are people that we can identify with. Uh, Jonah's uh, he is a hero, but he he gets it wrong as often as he gets it right. And uh, there's something uh, very earthly about the character of Jonah. Uh, when he gets this message, what does Jonah do? But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. But... Just a small word, isn't it? This isn't where the wind comes from, by the way. Um, but Jonah ran away from the Lord, headed for Tarshish. Went down to Joppa, and lo and behold, what did he find? A ship going just where he wanted it to take him to. You know, um, if you want to uh, run away from God, uh, you'll find it quite easy. You'll find that things just fall into place. It's very easy to run away from God. And maybe there are people here this morning that can identify with this part of the story because you know that in a sense, you've been running from God. Maybe you know that God's asked you to do something difficult. Going to preach to Nineveh was not an easy task. 
Nineveh was full of, uh, of horrible, wicked people who, as far as Jonah knew, wouldn't receive this word from God very well. This wasn't the message, you know, uh, believe in God and, and, and your lives will be fantastic. This was in 40 days, Nineveh will be destroyed. It wasn't a great message to take to the Ninevites. And Jonah flees from God. And maybe this morning uh, you've been fleeing from what God wants you to do. And uh, you know it in your heart. And uh, like Jonah, uh, you've been helped because you went wherever you needed to go and everything fell into place and it seemed right. And uh, Jonah is, uh, is a runaway prophet. He runs like the wind. And uh, he decides to go in the opposite direction. And it comes quite naturally, doesn't it, for us to go into the opposite direction, the direction that God wants us to do. Because there's a world out there where lots of people are walking in the opposite direction, away from God, and it's very easy just to fall in with the crowd and walk in the opposite direction. There's Jonah. Nineveh is over to the right, and Tarshish is in the complete opposite direction. And that's the route that Jonah decides to take. But then the Lord send a great wind. This is where we get Jonah and the wind from. On the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each one cried out to his own God. Very often it's, it's when trouble strikes that we do cry out to God, isn't it? It kind of hones our, our urgency in the need for prayer. Most people, uh, in times of emergency, turn to God. Whether they profess any faith in God is beside the point. So there's something within us that when we find ourselves in danger, it seems the natural thing to do to turn to God in prayer. And this is what these uh, sailors do. Um, but meanwhile, Jonah's fast asleep. He's gone below deck where he lay down and he fell into a deep sleep, unaware of what's going on. And there's an irony here, isn't there? Uh, that these sailors um, who don't believe in Jonah's God turn to their gods and pray and Jonah's fast asleep and unaware of what's going on all around him. And of course, this is what happens when we, when we put distance between ourselves and God. One of the first things that we do is that we stop praying. Uh, we stop talking to God. Well, the people go down on, on to Jonah and they wake him up and they tell him what's happening and they, they have this conversation with Jonah and uh, find out that he's, uh, he's running away from God and this terrifies them and that, that he worships, worships this God who creates uh, the heavens and the earth and the sea and uh, they cast lots and uh, the lot falls to Jonah and Jonah says, it's all my fault. And uh, he instructs them to pick me up and throw me into the sea. It's interesting, isn't it, that, that Jonah, uh, he doesn't want to be obedient to God to such an extent that he's, he's quite happy to give up his life. And uh, he tells the sailors to throw them into the sea. And of course, that's exactly, reluctantly, that's what the sailors do. They throw him overboard. They took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. 
Jonah and the wind, the runaway prophet. Are you running away from God this morning? Is the wind behind you? And maybe in running away from God, you've got caught up in a storm, just like Jonah. And you wonder what's happening. Well, Jonah and the wind becomes Jonah and the whale. But, there's that little word again, isn't it? But. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. This is a part of the story that uh, we all know so well, isn't it? This is a part of the story that, uh, that we love to tell to children, don't we? Uh, the imagery of this great fish and uh, the, uh, the man being swallowed. Uh, it's, a, it's a story that captures the imagination, isn't it? Uh, Walt Disney perhaps was captivated by this story when, uh, when he made the film Pinocchio. And he has the character Pinocchio getting swallowed by a whale and surviving in the, in the, in the belly of a whale until he's rescued. And it's a story that captures our imagination. But a lot of people want to know, well, is it a true story? Did it really happen? And of course, some people will say that, yes, it certainly is a true story. Some people will say it's just a matter of faith. You just need to have enough faith to believe it. Other people will say, well, it's a matter of interpretation. It depends how we want to interpret. I'll tell you why I think it's a true story. I think it's a true story because people still run away from God today, don't they? I think it's a true story because... God still sends whales today, not literal whales, but he still sends the means to rescue us. Jonah and the whale. How big was that fish? How big was that fish? I guess most of us have never been uh, near, near that experience of being swallowed by a whale. And... Uh, for that reason, most of us maybe would have some sort of scepticism about whether it is possible. Some people have gone to all sorts of lengths to, 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 to suggest that the story is true. I read about one person that I identified, uh, a sailor in, in, I think it was the 18th century, who had actually been swallowed by a whale and actually managed to survive. Um, I don't know what sort of condition he was when he came out, but he, he actually survived. But whether the story is true or not, or whether it's meant to be taken as literal... What we do know is that Jonah on his voyage to Tarshish finds himself in the stormy weather. This is Selwyn Hughes. He says, The hurricane ruined his plans to go to Tarshish. His vacation was spoiled, but his vocation was saved. None of us like to find ourselves caught in the storm, but sometimes this is the only way God can get our attention. Well, God certainly had Jonah's attention. He, he was on this down, downward spiral. He'd gone down to Joppa. He'd gone down below deck. He'd gone down into the sea. And now he was down in the belly of a whale. He'd gone down and down and down and down. And sometimes we have to hit rock bottom before we actually turn to God. Sometimes we have to have exhausted everything else before we, we come to that situation, a little bit Jonah in the belly of a whale, where we think, well, there's nothing else to do other than turn to God. And it's in the belly of the whale that we read, from inside the fish, 
Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. When we were doing a, a series on prayer uh, a number of uh, weeks ago, uh, we talked about uh, the best positions to pray, didn't we? We, we said, well, you know, where are the best places to pray? And, and none of us came up with the nice idea of, of praying in the belly of a whale. Uh, but we might be able to identify with turning to God when everything else has failed. When we're in that situation that we feel like there is no escape, we've reached rock bottom and we turn to God from the belly of a whale. Maybe this morning some of you feel that you're in the belly of the whale. You're in a situation that there doesn't seem to be any positive outcome. Like Jonah, this is the time to turn to God and pray. And uh, he prays this prayer in Jonah chapter 2. In my distress I called to the Lord and he answered me. From the depths of the grave I called for help and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said I have been banished from the sight yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me, the deep surrounded me, seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath me barred me forever. But you brought my life up from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. Jonah's prayer from the belly of a whale. What a great prayer. And sometimes the best prayers are prayed in the belly of the whale. Because we have to be honest. We have to be real. And we tell God just as it is. And that's what Jonah does. Jonah and the whale. And the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. It vomited Jonah onto dry land. Jonah and the whale. And then we move on to Jonah and the word. Because when Jonah's back on dry land... We read that the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I gave you. This according to uh, R.T. Kendall. We come to the high watermark in the book of Jonah. We see what I believe is one of the sublimest phrases in all holy writ. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. I know of no passage that illustrates so perfectly and so tenderly and so clearly the way God deals with man. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Ours is the God of the second chances. Anybody here this morning in need of a second chance? I know I am. And a third chance and a fourth chance and a fifth chance... Ours is the God of the second chance. Again, Selwyn Hughes in his book on Jonah says, 
This is the genius of God's word. It always, it's always the same. What a thrill it is to realize that the grace of God, which accepts a repentant heart, seals the acts of repentance with the gift of a new opportunity. The runaway prophet is given a second chance. How many of us will be here today if God had not given us a second chance to participate in his work? Maybe you're here this morning and uh, you feel that you've, you've made a mess of things, that you've missed your opportunity. You know that God wanted to, you to serve him in a particular way and you felt that that opportunity was gone. Well, here clearly from the word of God, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. And it was exactly the same word that it was at the beginning, go to Nineveh. And if God's asked you to do something and you've not done it, God just says to you again, Go and do it. Go and do it. And he'll keep saying it to us. Because God doesn't give up on us. Sometimes we give up on God and we run like Jonah, like the wind, and we want to get away. But God does not give up on us. Our God is the God of the second chance. And Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. In many senses, nothing's changed. Nineveh is still a very frightening place to go. Jonah's no idea what sort of reception he's going to receive in Nineveh. These were the enemies of God's people. And Jonah was not going to be a popular prophet. And to go to the city of Nineveh and tell them that God was going to destroy it was something that would take great courage. And Jonah was obedient and he went to the city of Nineveh. And on the first day Jonah started in the city, he proclaimed, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. Let's just count, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. Eight words. This was a short sermon, folks. Eight words. No great illustrations, no PowerPoints, No funny little antidotes. Eight words. It it wasn't a great message, was it? Forty more days and God's going to destroy all of you. And yet, it was the message that God had given to Jonah to take to the Ninevites. And the important thing is, whenever we are speaking on behalf of God, is that we say what God has told us to say. We don't come up with our own clever ideas. We are to proclaim God's word. And sometimes that word will be a difficult word. And Jonah was obedient. And he gives this one of those to be one of the shortest sermons ever. Forty more days and Nineveh will be overturned. And to everybody, or certainly to Jonah's amazement, the Ninevites believed God. They declared a fast on all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on a sackcloth. What an amazing response to a short and sharp sermon. Everybody in the city of Nineveh repented and put on sackcloths. A great story. And uh, if we left it there, you know, and they all lived happily ever after, that would be great, wouldn't it? 
that would be a great story. And that's where the video left it, didn't it? With everybody cheering and smiling and Jonah very happy. But actually, uh, it isn't how the biblical story leaves it. Jonah and the word becomes Jonah and the worm. We've all heard about Jonah and the whale. What we might not have heard about is Jonah and the worm. There's a kind of irony again, isn't there, in the size of the two creatures that God sends. The whale is one of the biggest creatures in the world and the worm is one of the smallest creatures. I wonder which one caused Jonah more distress. Jonah is not happy. But Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry with God. I'll tell you why I think the story of Jonah is a true story. It's because we still get angry with God, don't we? People still get angry with God, don't they? Do you ever get angry with God? And most of the time we get angry with God is when when God isn't doing exactly what we want him to do or what we think he ought to be doing. There is a comedy element about this story that we should see a a man being swallowed by a whale. It it, it is, there is a a kind of farcicalness about it. And there's even a a comedy about Jonah's anger. His anger is that I knew that you were gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. In other words, I knew you'd do this, God. I just knew it. I knew you'd save them, that you wouldn't destroy them. And the irony is Jonah is angry at God because he's preached his message and people have responded. <laughs> oh, if only that would happen, you that have ever preached. If, if people responded like they did to Jonah's message, I'd preach an eight-word sermon. And you'd probably all say amen to that. But Jonah's angry. And he goes and he sits and... Uh, The story tells us that that the Lord provided a vine and made it grow up and Jonah got shade from the discomfort of the sun. But we should remember, as Nick Page points out in the Bible book, Jonah is much more than an entertaining story about a bloke and a big fish. It's a story about how even your worst enemies can receive God's forgiveness. Even your worst enemies can receive God's forgiveness. I wonder whether we actually identify with the angry Jonah because we're not always that pleased when God is blessing somebody else other than ourselves, are we? We perhaps smile and say that's wonderful when we hear about the church down the road that's having the revival and and everybody's can't wait to get there and it's all fantastic and they've got a new building and and all the mod cons and... uh, are we, really, are we really happy when God is blessing other people and not blessing us? Or can we identify with Jonah's bitterness? Jonah and the worm. Well, at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed up the vine so that it withered. And if Jonah was, if Jonah was angry about the fact that the Ninevites had repented, he was even more angry about the fact that his shade had been destroyed. In fact, it says, he was angry enough to die. He was angry enough to die. But there is one more but. There is one more but. But the Lord said, you've been concerned about this vine, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight, 
But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left and many cattle as well. Should I not be concerned about that great city? And that's where the story ends. And we don't know whether how Jonah responded. You know, it's not just that we don't know whether Jonah had a, a beard and a donkey and all the other things we don't know about Jonah. We're left with that kind of, well, what happened next? And that's another reason why I think Jonah is a true story because God always has the last word. God always has the last word. The story of Jonah and the wind and Jonah and the whale and Jonah and the word and Jonah and the worm is a story of God's relentless grace. And whatever your story is and however much of your story you can identify with the story of Jonah, be sure of this, that God will have the last word in your story as well. That God will have the last story word in your story as well.